0: Welcome to episode 30 of Awesome Etiquette. Our podcast comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post.
1: And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute.
0: So I have one roommate that is now, aside from one box that I just found in the garage, fully moved out.
1: That is and big news. I got, I got a,
0: Today's April 1st, haha. so I have to talk to her about the hahas has for the— for the April Fool's Day.
1: Mm-hmm. But, but we're not joking we're about not, the new roommate. We're not joking about
0: the new roommate. <laughs> but, the um, I, you know, I've got to collect the keys from the old roommate, just settle everything up, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. that's on my mind. But I was starting to think my new roommate is actually one of my very best, nearest and dearest, most important to me friends, and I'm really excited about that. Um, but I was thinking about, okay, so we're going to be living together. And we know each other pretty well. Like she stays over at the house mm-hmm. sometimes, so mm-hmm. it's not like we haven't, you know, experienced sleeping in the same place or something like that. But it dawned on me is just this idea of, okay, what I started thinking like two months into the future, what are going to be the things that we talk to each other about that we've noticed about actually living day to day together that maybe aren't going so well? And how could we head them off at the pass? Or, and I don't know, I've, I've come to realize for me, the thing that that is the most important to talk to someone about in the beginning and to set up right is is how to be respectful when people are sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about you, but if I don't get a good night's sleep or if my sleep isn't – it's one thing if it's, like, interrupted in the middle of the night, but it's another thing if, like, someone gets up 20 minutes, half an hour before your alarm goes off and you miss that last, like, mm. little chunk that you're used to <laughs> –
1: <laughs> well, after my travel last week, where I was grabbing sleep here and there, yeah, I, I yeah. can sympathize with this particular one. I, I, um, guilty as charged i have a clean conscience i sleep anytime anywhere like you. a rock
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> i'm so jealous i wish i was like that
1: but that's why, this is so classic Lizzie post you're 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 thinking ahead and i know this relationship <laughs> matters to you a little bit this and i can see the like wheels turning yeah. as you're thinking ahead about about how to to navigate this transition well and yeah. it's both a transition at the home but also in the relationship yeah and i think First of all, I just want to say you're gonna. It's going to be a success. I'm giving a big thumbs up here because I know it's going to go well. Um, I think sleeping is definitely something to think about, particularly if you know it's an issue for you.
0: Well, and i you know what was really great and what kind of brought it to mind was that she she was talking about how her current living situation is set up and that her. Room in her current living situation is right on the other side of the shower and the kitchen, so no matter what, if her room, current roommate gets up before her, she hears everything that goes on because it's just a thin wall between yep. her head and you know that shower or the the blender or can't something. Turn like on the that. shower quietly. You can't do it quite. There's no way. And she was just like, "Oh my gosh, it'll be so nice to be in a room where." That's not going on. And I'm sure there'll be other problems. There'll be like the neighbor's car door that shuts, that wakes or something. But
1: The house near the train or the airport where you don't even hear it yeah. after a week y- or two. Yeah, you
0: don't notice it because you get used to things. But I, wa- I was relieved to hear that she is someone who I think gets that too, that that desire for sleep time, especially on the morning end of things when you're really hoping for those last 10 20 minutes oh
1: those precious few minutes Yeah, to
0: be good so I, I feel like i'm going into it like okay this is both valuable this is valuable to both of us
1: that's nice so other potential pitfalls no pitfalls or, or opportunities Just things. i was yeah. gonna say opportunities so Rhythms one of life
0: one thing um benny cover your ears i'm going to rat you out right now Oh, this would be I'm on my sorry. list too no well benny not the barking that's just
1: pets, maybe.
0: Well, she has a dog, uh-huh. but Benny, as of late, has been doing this thing, and I, I'm not sure if it was because it was an especially cold winter or what, but he he has been going to the bathroom in the house more often uh. than usual, and not coming to me like usual. And I've I've talked about it with the appropriate people. It doesn't. He seems healthy. There's nothing wrong. It just seems like this is a pattern that started that Long, then he, cold
1: winter. He continued
0: exactly, and. Um, And I'm trying to look for maybe some different cues to to remember to let them out. And I also have a great solution to to put on it so that it doesn't smell and, you know, really properly clean up and everything. But um, Jacqueline and I were talking about how we could, you know, kind of Um, because she has a dog as well, keep the dogs confined to the kitchen. But my kitchen doesn't have doors. Mm -hmm. It does have doorways. And so we were looking at, you know, baby gates, dog gates, that sort of thing. And then on Pinterest, I found you can kind of make your own gate that looks really nice. You know, you can use like half of a door or something like Mm -hmm. that, you know, or like a a shorter version of a Dutch door, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so now I've been like scouring Pinterest for all these kind of like, house hacks and ways to project, yeah d- DIY doors. ways to to accommodate both of our pets but also still keep the house looking nice because aesthetics are important to both of us and we don't want to live in a place that feels like it's dominated by the fact that we have two dogs and two cats so yeah.
1: So pet discussion, spilling over into shared space discussion, kitchens, bathrooms, maybe shared living room.
0: Yeah. And then I'm trying to think also of things that I need to do because I own the house as to prepare, like... The fence is needs fixing right now, and so I need. That's one thing that I'm trying to, like, save up extra cash, babysit every night that I can, <laughs> so that when she moves in, I'll be able to put up that fence, and both of our dogs can be let outside, and we don't have to worry at all. So it's like I'm trying to think also as what are my responsibilities as the kind of owner yeah. of the house in the situation, you know, the host, the host.
1: Of, <laughs> sorts. of sorts, <laughs> of sorts, yeah, welcoming sorts. a new of sorts. Future host, yeah, exactly. Home.
0: but um, but it's, suffice to say, I, I always I do love it when when someone new comes for a little bit. it's it's fun. It's exciting. Um there's lots of things that you talk about, and you you always put the positive first, but I've definitely learned over the years, you know,
1: not to shy from those trouble areas.
0: not to shy from them. You know, communication is huge when it comes between roommates, and that's like the one thing that I really ask people is, you know, listen, yeah. talk to me about something if it's a problem you know I'm going to want to deal with it. I'm going to want to handle it. I might not always be happy that I have to, but I am going to want to make this better
1: for both of us. So I, I have to do it yeah. because you you brought it up. You said yeah. communication's important. Oh, you want the other, you want the three C's. <laughs> communication's the first C. Remind me of the other two. These the other are from two. Lizzie's book, which I read years ago. And book. this was one of my big takeaways from the book. One was the good ask on a date. Yes. And the other was the three C's.
0: Because th- you, at the time, were living with a roommate when you moved back to Burlington. I was
1: transitioning from one apartment and room to another for several years and yeah. found this really useful.
0: So the three C's are communication. First, you need to talk about whatever's bothering you or or however, things that you know about yourself are really good to communicate. Don't mm-hmm. overdo it, but definitely things that are going to impact someone else's life, that's important. Makes sense. The second um, C is compromise. This is the time where you need to figure out, okay, so if, if I know that I have a hard time sleeping in the morning or that I get grumpy if I'm woken up early and I know that the person staying with me is going to have another, you know, or be up an hour before me. Same
1: early shift, four days a week. Whatever.
0: What? Ca- yeah. What <laughs> can we do? Well, you know, my kitchen cabinets are are really noisy, and they have to click and latch shut. So I figure one thing that would be easy to do is. Don't worry about shutting the kitchen cabinets. I'll go and do that in the morning. But you just don't click the latch on them. Because Compromise. That's the loud part. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, um, and that's kind of a stupid little example. But it's then commitment. Yep. It's then you need to observe right. whether Thank the commitment you for happens. Me of
1: number three,
0: <laughs> right? So the commitment part is, and you have to see. Sometimes the commitment doesn't work, and if neither of you can keep up with it, or if one of you can't keep up with it, you got to regroup in a week or two and say, "Hey." We're trying this. I don't know if we just need better reminders for each other or what, but it's not working. Is there a plan B we can go to? And that's when you start communicating again.
1: So those are the three C's for roommate harmony. The
0: cycle of C's. Although I'm
1: loving it because when I look at the list of sleeping issues, shared space, cleaning schedules, pets, yeah. well, these all um, work for spouses and, and pe- people right? who share homes and families also. And oh, the three yeah. C's can be useful for anybody sharing a living space.
0: Everybody <laughs> has to deal with that. <laughs> but with that, I'm I'm looking forward to new adventure on the home front and hopefully – Hopefully, my three C's will serve me well.
1: <laughs> I'm sure everything will go smashing.
0: <laughs> should we tackle some questions today?
1: I think it should be smashingly. Everything will go smashingly.
0: Why don't you say that? <laughs> and yes, you need to use your adverbs. Everybody does. Not enough people use their adverbs. Ly is important. No, I think. I'm, I think. I think, bad, that, I think the others entirely badly. wrong.
1: Lizzie, I hope things go smashingly.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. Should we tackle some questions?
1: Let's. <laughs> you're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn. But it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. So let's get started.
0: This first question starts, Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I recently discovered your podcast and as a young professional who's recently moved to a new city, I've found it incredibly helpful as I often find myself having to navigate new social situations and am still making first impressions in many cases. My question is about how to handle a situation with my supervisor. My office is situated right across the hall from one of my supervisors. Since I usually keep my door open, sometimes I can't help overhearing what she says, even when her door is closed. I recently overheard her criticizing a product I had put together with another colleague. From what I overheard, she felt that I had overlooked some important things about this product. I waited for her to reprimand me or at least discuss it with me, but she never did. While this would have been fine one time, it happened again with a different product, and again, I've had no direct feedback. What bothers me about this situation is not that she's criticizing my work with her colleague, but that she is choosing not to bring her concerns to me directly, and instead is all friendliness and smiles and small talk. Since I'm new to this job and due to resource constraints was not given a lot of formal training, I'm sure I have many areas to improve and would actually appreciate an honest assessment of what I've done wrong so far. But... I don't know how to ask for it without acknowledging that I overheard some of her private conversations. What do you suggest? Sincerely, D. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day... That's a tough one.
1: ID. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm so glad you like the show and that you're finding it useful in your new job. That's uh, exactly what we hope for when we put this show out there. Um, You bring up a couple interesting points. I want to start by acknowledging that your supervisor um, offering this critique that you're hearing, that she doesn't know that you're hearing, to me illustrates uh, an important point of business etiquette, which is that when offering critique in general, even if you think you're doing it in private, offer it in a way that you could own it with the person who you're critiquing if you ever had to talk about it with them. Mm -hmm a great way to hold yourself accountable, to be sure that you're not just griping about something or um, or, or being cavalier or loose with your criticism and the language that you would use, that you're showing someone the proper respect. Um, this person to show is uh, D is talking about in this question that that. That he or she is ready to receive or accept this criticism, in fact, would value it. So it's not that criticism doesn't have a place. It's just that you really want to be careful about how you do it because um, it's a professional situation and it should be appropriate and it should be constructive.
0: So that's all true. So, how do we help D?
1: d has got an interesting and tough situation here. And I would say a couple of things. You've got a couple options you could go if you don't feel too destroyed by this. If you don't feel like having the information that you have is corrupting you in some way or is, is affecting your integrity, um, you could just chalk it up to, to a nice little bit of inside information that you've come across. You might choose not to say anything. Um, take this little bit of information that you've got the privilege to come across, and you're going to make an extra effort to, to redouble your efforts for the next project. In that other you words, do.
0: kind of consider this your um, indirect training that you didn't receive. Here's what was wrong with the project. You got the insider information that that was wrong on mm-hmm. the next project. Hopefully, it'll give you the chance to look at things a little bit through your boss's eye because you now have this. There you go. And critique maybe that she doesn't know you have.
1: If you were months down the line, you had a little bit more um, relationship history, you might mm-hmm. bring this up with them. But for now, you might just say, you know, for the next project, I'm gonna check in ahead of time. You might you might try to project this forward a little bit, think about how you could do better in the future. And you might ask for some criticism or some feedback. You might ask for that before the final deadline of the project.
0: That's the one I like. I like the idea of setting it up with your supervisor to say, hey. You know, I just really want to make sure I'm getting things right. So could we go over this, you know, a week or a month or a day, however much you think you'd need to make the corrections ahead of time? Yeah. That way, the final product you get is really perfect. And you're showing your
1: willingness to take that critical feedback and to, to use Absolutely. it in a constructive way. And and that might be a real opportunity to build or grow this relationship.
0: And I've found that sometimes people, even it, just because they're in a supervising situation, position it doesn't mean that they're great at confrontation it doesn't mean that they're great at giving critique so uh, giving them the uh, kind of the in i guess not the out but the in the permission to do it uh, i think is definitely it'll make it easier she won't be able to or he won't be able to run away from it
1: Um, So so that's how I might handle the work product Um, as far as the 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 eavesdropping or the potential to be perceived as an eavesdropper or if you notice this is continuing to happen and you really don't feel comfortable or you feel like this person should know about it, then then it's up to you to say something. And Uh you could reveal that in a couple different ways. You might let them know sometime when you hear something that's not directly about your work, (laughs) something that's uh, (laughs) maybe not as high stakes in terms of the new relationship. Um and and sort of give them a little bit of a heads up like boy the, the walls are so thin in this place X Y or Z and you might mention something specific or you might just mention that you're surprised at what you hear through the walls sometimes
0: Would you ever do the one where um let's say the door is open and she starts a conversation with another colleague that starts maybe going down that road of of things you shouldn't hear mm-hmm. Would you ever get up and say I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shut your door so that you have privacy.
1: I think that there's. Because
0: that's like a gentle, just so you know, I can hear you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'll even take it a step further. I'll Would say, you actually say it further? Even if you don't say anything to them, if yeah. you really know you're about to hear something that's private or that isn't meant yeah. for your ears.
0: Walk away. Dan, walk just so away. you know, Dan just covered his, his ears with his hands. I wish you guys could have seen that. It was really
1: cute. So. Sometimes you don't want to know. Sometimes it's better not to know. You don't want to be in that, that position. The, the, the question, don't, don't snoop through your boyfriend or girlfriend's phone. Do you really want to even know yeah. what you don't?
0: What's that rom-com where he's like, earmuffs when the kid covers Yes, his ears. <laughs> when
1: they're about to say a, the parenthood, they're about to say a bad word. The <laughs> so they cover their ears so that they don't hear the parents swear. Give yourself the earmuffs in that situation. One of the tenets of good etiquette at work is respecting your co-worker's privacy. KD, you... hey what are you
0: doing? Your
1: muffs. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. No, it, the, the, <laughs> the voicemail saying. message a spouse leaves about yeah. something that's a little personal or intimate, mm-hmm. you just don't listen. If you find yourself hearing the first half of it, you set yeah. the receiver back down. And this might be a similar situation. And sort of final straw there. If you really are hearing something that's inappropriate, if you heard something that's inappropriate, you go talk to the person. You're honest with them. You know, I sit right outside your door. Um, I want you to know because I would want to know if I were in the same situation. But when you are talking to somebody, I can oftentimes hear or I can hear. And I really just think you should be aware of that. Yeah. D, I hope this helps. That's a long answer to a a good question. And good luck at the new job. Keep it up. Um, Remember the three basic tenets, consideration, respect, and in this case, a really important honesty, and you're going to be in good shape. Our next question is about high school reunions. My 20-year high school reunion is coming up. I was class officer my senior year, which unknowingly deemed me a member of the reunion planning committee. I'm from a small town with a graduating class of 70 people. I moved away after graduation and didn't look back. I moved back to my hometown vicinity seven years ago and was just recently contacted to find out if I can join the other class officers in planning. I have never attended previous reunions. I lived out of town and didn't even know about, nor did I receive invitations to previous ones. Previous reunions were combined with classes one to two years above and below mine. I think this is just for our graduating class because it's 20 years. I don't have any desire to attend this one, so I don't think I have the right feelings to be part of the planning committee. The person who contacted me is not a class officer, but has been part of previous reunion planning. She said she knows I have two small children, and they understand if I can't help. My thinking is that everyone has a life and is busy, so that's not really a good excuse. Or is it? How do I politely decline being on a planning committee, since I will also be trying to figure out how to politely decline attending? Thank you kindly.
0: It's okay to decline. You you have no obligation to do this. It's mm-hmm. really okay. And the one thing, I it's funny, people really get... I, I think they get worried at other others being defensive or others even being on the attack and saying things like, yeah, well, everybody's got a life, that sort of thing. But it's OK. Your life gets to be your priority because it's your life. And there are some times where we put ourselves last and there are other times where we don't have to. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those times when you don't have to. Um, it's, it's perfectly all right. They're even anticipating that, you know, for instance, she says um, the person who contacted me knows I have two small children. They understand if I can't help. You already have the out. Mm-hmm. I say just go right ahead and say, you know, I, I won't be able to, to be on the planning committee and I'm actually not going to be able to come either. Simple,
1: clean, easy. So there's no social obligation to be part of your high school reunion planning. And this, to me, brings up the, the interesting point. We can draw this example out a little bit talking about the importance of RSVP. The, the continuing importance of being able to to say yes or no to an invitation, in this case an invitation to participate in a planning committee, invitation that, that carries some expectation of you if you are to accept it. And it's really important to be able to say no and say no effectively to all kinds of invitations. And this is one of those ones that's entirely appropriate to say no to. But definitely say something. Respond. Tell the person. Don't be so scared that they're not going to accept your Um, I'm too busy to do this, that you don't offer that. (laughs) I don't get
0: the sense that she's feeling that. I think she knows she's going to respond. But in the past, we've had questions where people are questioning whether or not they even should say anything. And and I think it's always – Dan and I are both in the same camp. It's always important to let someone know whether you will or will not attend. The whole, you know, if you don't hear from me, it means I'm coming thing doesn't fly.
1: Exactly. Soften the blow. Wish him luck with the event and feel good about what you're doing. Our next question begins. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. Love, love, love the show. I look forward to it every week. I was wondering if you could clear up a little tipping etiquette question I have. My boyfriend and I were out at a bar one night where I had started a tab on my credit card. I asked him to close it out for me. And when he came back with the receipt, I was surprised at the amount he left as a tip. When I go to bars, I typically tip a dollar for every other beer and a dollar or more per three-plus ingredient cocktails. If they take time, effort, and artistry to make, I feel they should get more of a tip. My boyfriend, on the other hand, tips 20% across the board or a dollar per drink no matter what type of alcoholic beverage. I totally understand tipping 20% if food and or table service is involved in our bill. But just for simple drinks like a beer or a whiskey soda, a dollar per drink seems like a gratuitous gratuity, especially since bartenders usually get a larger hourly wage than servers. We're both from the service industry, he's back of the house and I'm front, and have friends in the industry who back up both sides of our little dispute. I hate the thought that I've been leaving substandard tips for years. Please help. All the best, Sarah.
0: Sarah, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but I fall in the camp that you have been leaving substandard tips for years, and I'm using your your language, not mine. Um, <laughs> it's just the way of the business now that, for the most part, people leave a fifteen to twenty percent tip across the board. Um, I also I do see people tip per drink, and they'll do a dollar or two dollars, sometimes three, if it's a if it's a you know. Um, a more complicated drink. Um, but typically, you don't want to leave a dollar every other drink.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: You know, your bartender just doesn't know if you've actually left a tip then. And you, you haven't in that case. Um, and I understand, you know, a PBR is a cheap beer and maybe it only, you know, deserves a 50 cent tip. But at the same time. The way our culture is, is that the 15 to 20 percent of the total bill is what's normal or the or the the dollar to three dollars per drink is totally normal. It's it's commonplace is what I should say, as opposed to normal. So just, you know, if if you feel like you're ready to make that jump and start doing it that way, go for it. Um, we always say you can leave what you want. Just understand that. The person on the receiving end of it might not quite understand why you're leaving that. So,
1: And don't feel bad about the past. There is definitely some confusion around this. Some of the most common questions we get are about tipping on alcohol. Yes, you do tip on alcohol 15 to hour or tax. And you don't always necessarily tip on tax. But we get those questions all the time. So really don't feel bad.
0: I think Dan's got a great point. You shouldn't take this too hard and just know that that you now have the information you you've heard it from us we aren't the kings and queens of all things restaurant we just we have our opinions we have our kind of social barometer on what most people in the US are doing in terms of tipping and that's our advice to you so we hope that that helps and uh hopefully you know th- this debate you can you can decide which side of it you're actually going to to stay on in the future All the best. Our next listener writes in with what I may deem our most difficult question to date. Mm -hmm. I think this one's pretty darn hard. It's pretty sensitive. I have a 12-year-old son whose birthday is coming up. I'm divorced. I'm a planner. And my ex and I go in together on things for our kids. I sent out invites a month before the party. Many of my ex's family are always invited. On my son's birthday last year, my former sister-in-law scheduled her child's birthday party on the same day, with the times overlapping. I didn't know about this until my son arrived late to his own party. This year, before planning the date, I discussed with my ex the date I had in mind. I asked him to check with his sister to make certain she had not planned anything for her child on the same day. She hadn't, and so I booked. After booking the party, I learned that she then booked her child's party for the same day again. Her child's birthday is a month before my son's. I could not believe this. Doesn't my son deserve to celebrate his birthday on his own day without needing to share with his cousin? It only comes once a year. Your thoughts?
1: My first thought is, ugh. <laughs> I
0: know, right? Isn't that just rotten?
1: If if things are as they appear, that is entirely rotten. And it's so unfortunate. Something that I often find myself saying is most rude behavior is unintentional. Most people don't mean to be rude. A few internet trolls aside, people right. don't intend to offer offense. And
0: I want to say, when Dan and I, when I, I told Dan about this question, we went back and forth trying to figure out a way that we could be in the sister-in-law's defense and, and find some way that this is unintentional and but I have
1: one thought at this there. This
0: point okay because I I still <laughs> I have can't hope. think I of have what, hope. what's your my
1: silver lining. This is only what's year your 2. Benefit of the doubt? <laughs> this is only year 2 and things do happen. It might have happened the first year entirely unintentionally. The birthdays are they're a month apart but Boy, weeks go by in a blink of an eye. I'm, I'm silver lining. I'm giving her every benefit of the doubt I possibly can.
0: I am giving Dan the oh, give me a, a break, break. Look. look. That's so one <laughs> percent chance that that's what's going on.
1: But I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that open in my yeah. mind. And, and this is only year two. If this were to happen a third year, I think you're talking about. Um, uh, extinction level event, relationship ending scenarios. Because because it really is intentionally mean it's and mean through the kids. That's
0: getting ruined because of it. It's evil. I don't like it.
1: If it's on purpose. It's very bad. It's no come on. Question. She
0: asked whether, and I'm, I'm we're siskel and eberting this one. <laughs> she and only because, and I know you're actually on my side. You're just playing the devil's advocate and giving the defense to the sister-in-law in case it's it's warranted. But I come on. She actually asked to to find out what the date was. I mean, the, the place that I could see where something got mixed up was like if the ex gave the wrong date to his sister. That's the only thing I could think of. But then, even th- even so, so the sister gets the invite to her kids, to, to her nephew's birthday party, and then plans her own kid's birthday party on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break.
1: Lizzie's going raspberries and thumbs down.
0: I am. I think this is a load of hooey. I,
1: it's I, I'm, I'm another potential. The husband or the ex in this case is um.
0: Making it difficult for his own little boy?
1: Maybe isn't a great communicator. Maybe okay. isn't a great communicator with his ex or his sister. You just don't know for sure how this well, word got relayed. Well, we don't know for sure. They, the
0: three of them probably
1: at, know. At the same time, you oftentimes have a sense. Police will say the most obvious person usually did it. <laughs> Occam's razor says the simplest answer is most often the true, the answer. true answer. yeah. It's entirely possible that, that relationships have really deteriorated in this family, right. that the ex's family are taking it out on, on this person.
0: Especially because this... This, I don't know when the divorce occurred, but this is a 12 year old. This isn't year two birthday. This isn't his second birthday. It's his 12th birthday, and all of a sudden, this is starting to be a problem. Yeah, because she's only talked about the past last year and this year. So I'm assuming three years ago yeah. it wasn't an issue.
1: So my thoughts are ugh. Yeah, when it's I so gross. think about what you can do, my answer is. Not a lot. It's, there, there are enough ifs here that I don't know if you're on stable ground to challenge this person as far as I don't think you should have this birthday party. I think you should move it. I scheduled mine first. I, I, I don't hear that conversation going well. No. <laughs> um, so in some ways my, my my thoughts for advice here are it only comes once a year and as unfortunate as it is, I don't think you want to feed the flame here. I don't think you want to engage and do battle. Um, you do your best, you get your invitations out, you make your invites, your invites to your party, and you make the focus your kid and his birthday or her birthday as much as possible.
0: Well, definitely, I hate to say it, but I would not be sending my kid to the other birthday party. And I just because I think it's his day and he should be a part of preparing his party and he should be a part of getting to attend it. So he should mm-hmm. not be showing up late to his own birthday party ever. That's not fair to him or his guests. Mm-hmm. So... I would, you know, plan on declining the invitation that she's created. I'm hoping that they're not like, you know, I, I know of a lot of cousins who live in the same town and therefore they all have the same friends and they're in the same grade. And I'm really hoping that you're going to get people coming to your party, that that the, the friends divide and conquer as yeah. opposed to just go to one or the other. But I really think that it is OK because you're – this is a family situation, divorce or not divorce, I think that something needs to be said. And I would sit down with my ex and I would ask to sit down with the sister, too. Mm -hmm. And this is just because it's a child that's involved and it's a child's birthday that's being affected by it. And that's why I think you have to have the sit down. Uh, And I would say in the sit down, listen, I just really care that both the boys have excellent birthdays and they are friends. They really like each other. They're going to want to go to each other's birthday. So I think we really need to make sure that we plan the parties for different days. And you come at it from the point of we need to do what's best for these two boys here. Don't even bring up the malicious the potential okay. malicious or anything. Leave all that out I of lo- it.
1: I like the way this is going. And I think that's not a fair like conversation to pro- have with everybody. That's
0: the stuff that gets me riled up. Yep. But the problem is. Is the boys don't get to attend each other's birthday parties and family and friends are having to
1: choose between the two. And keeping that that focus like a laser on On that that. issue.
0: Absolutely. Don't go anywhere near the fact that – I mean clearly from what you've written to us, it's like – yeah, it does seem like she is doing this maliciously and it's evil. and. Leave that out of it entirely. So, Like Dan said, laser beam focus on the boys and making it great for them and easy for your family.
1: And if there really is this bad intent behind it, be ready for that to come up in that conversation and be ready to keep ignoring it. But it, Keep the yes, high ground and yes. keep going back to the question of can we at least get a schedule so these two kids' birthdays don't conflict with each other.
0: And truthfully, is your ex who – like I've said, have the ex be there. Have Have the father of your child be there. Is he really going to like – back up his sister on this one like when it's his own child that's suffering
1: you've definitely I set yourself up well by talking to the ex ahead of time mm-hmm. it, it definitely gives you, you a round framework one of for of having this discussion where yeah. you call your husband and say you know it's happened again and i'm really concerned what can we do i'd like to talk with you and her about or if you prefer to talk to her but i, I really want to be sure that we don't end up with a situation like last year
0: yes Absolutely.
1: Siskel, I'm going with your answer on this one. Well, but we, we
0: did the right thing. We talked about how any way, shape or form that the sister-in-law might have that one in a million chance that she's not being – that she's not being understood.
1: She And the sister – who knows? The sister could show up and say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. It happened last year. I didn't mean for it. And here it's happening again. What can we do?
0: Yeah. It really <laughs> would surprise me if that was the case. But um, – But regardless, like we said, focus on on making sure that the boys both get to celebrate each other's birthdays, go into it with that kind of attitude, keep keep to that part of the conversation. And we think that you will have a much better situation for 13-year-old birthday or 14. I'm not sure if he's turning 13 this year or not. (laughs) You count that
1: first year, don't you?
0: (laughs) Good luck, though. Good luck. And send us some cake.
1: (laughs) You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be.
0: What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to etiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show.
1: Today's Postscript is going to look at wearable technology, and I've been excited about this one for a little while because I get to talk about the Apple Watch. And <laughs> I am a big fan of Apple and Things Apple, the Apple company, uh, the Emily Post Institute.
0: Note Apple, if you would like to sponsor our show, <laughs> continue. <laughs> As a small family business figure, full, of, full of
1: creatives, we made the switch to the Apple platform platform six, seven years ago now. And it was, um, from my perspective, someone who used to do a lot of IT work around the the office, it's been just absolutely awesome. It's been a liberation to be working on such a stable platform. I'm a big fan. um, To to have the phones that we all have in our pockets, talk to our work calendars, um, has really made the travel easier and keeping track of of really busy schedules possible. Um, Anyway, so... Big fan here. Um, and I remember back in those early days when we were transitioning over uh, Uncle Peter, Lizzie's father and I, passing back and forth the MacLife magazines and learning all the new tricks and, 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 and ways to, to, to leverage and take advantage of this, this new platform. For us. <laughs> so it was a bit of a throwback for me to to watch a new Apple announcement happen and to watch them introduce wearable tech. Mm. And the first real, um, although these watches have been out for a little bit while, there's the Pebble, Samsung has its offering, there, there's a Droid offering. The, the The smartphone watch is not new, but it's new to the mass market. And... It's something that we've been anticipating at the Emily Post Institute. Uh, regular listeners to this show have heard Lizzie and I talk about how manners change and evolve over time. And one of the things that I've noticed is that some of the manners that change the most slowly are manners around food. We've talked about that. The The manners that Emily would have described for eating with a fork 100 years ago are very similar to the manners that Lizzie and I talk about today. The manners that Emily talked about relating to communication are – really different than the manners that we talk about today and they've changed so many times since Emily first talked about them 100 years ago that it would be hard to even list them all. Every time there's a new technology, uh, a new communication environment, the manners, the social expectations that we have of each other change also. So. In thinking about how manners change and evolve, the question of wearable tech and etiquette around wearable technology is something that we've been anticipating at the Emily Post Institute. When I first started teaching business seminars five, six, seven years ago, I used to have a slide that was a slide that talked about the etiquette questions we anticipated coming in the future and the question of – Uh, A cell phone that that sat comfortably inside your ear that no one (laughs) knew you were wearing or glasses that might use facial recognition software to feed you information from someone else's social media profile while you're talking to them were all um, inventions that we saw on the horizon and that we anticipated would have an impact on human relationships and the way we interact. And sure enough, here it is. Here's the the Apple Watch. I did my first interview yesterday with a tech – um, columnist who was curious about behavior and etiquettes for the Apple Watch. And I said to him, congratulations, you get the blue ribbon. You're the first person to call and want to do this interview. And we've been anticipating it for about five years. So gold star for you, blue ribbon. <laughs> um, and and it was a fun conversation because he was a, an early adopter. He was someone who's been wearing uh, a smart watch for about two years now. Oh, wow. He's anticipating the the Apple Watch, but doesn't have one yet. our conversation started with with some discussion about what it's like to be an early adopter for any new technology. When you have any shiny new bauble in your hands or in this case on your wrist and you're out and about in public. And we talked about the responsibility for early adopters to be ambassadors for the technology that they're often embracing and that they're often early to embrace. And one of the things that he brought up that I thought was absolutely fascinating was when you check your Apple Watch or when you check your smartwatch – It conjures up all of the social associations that people have had for hundreds of years when someone checks their watch. That When you look to how to check your watch, people think you're bored. They think you're checking the time. They think you're about to bolt or move on. It's a social cue to wrap things up. <laughs> so I, I think this is a particular uh, response that's going to change as this technology becomes more common. And when someone looking at their wristwatch doesn't necessarily mean they're checking the time, but that association it mean is that deep. they're
0: distracted by something because your wristwatch is now going to be your phone, your social, everything, right? Tell me how yes. it works. Yes. So
1: and, and up till now, they've been pretty function specific. But yeah, uh-huh. the Apple Watch is going to open that up dramatically. It's introducing, okay. um, pretty much it's bringing the smartphone to your wrist. Plus, it's hitting on something that's really important, which is that sort of interesting anomaly about this transition time aside. Many of the rules that govern smartphone and tablet use are going to govern the use of your wearable. I
0: was going to say, it doesn't seem like it's I mean, a lot of people I know stopped wearing watches when when cell phones and smartphones really became ubiquitous because, oh, I can just use my phone. I don't need this extra Piece I've of always got ROI,
1: a satellite timed, yeah, a yeah. <laughs> super accurate clock with me anyway. Don't need to wear it on my wrist. So yeah. that that is true. A lot of those same standards are going to apply. That you keep your attention on the people that you're with. That you don't let your device be a distraction to people who are around you or to captive audiences. That you don't use that device at the dinner table or in a public restroom. Right, fact, because we always
0: say don't leave your phone on the table. Well, now anytime your wrist is on the table, your phone is on the table.
1: And if you can't. Silence it easily. We're going to even suggest that you take it off
0: and put it if in it's
1: going pocket. to be ringing, lighting up, vibrating, if it's going to be a distraction to the people around you. And a dinner table is a place where you might want to really carve that out as a, um, a, a civil space that you want to respect in the same way you would a religious service or sure. um, there, there are other places, an important meeting with your boss. Absolutely. Where you're going to want to hold yourself to the same standard just like you wouldn't set that cell phone on the table and let it light up, vibrate, ring, play music. You're not going to let your wearable tech do that either, whether it's your Google Glass or the watch on your wrist.
0: So what about eavesdropping? Because now your phone is on your on your wrist, which I think think is a little harder to kind of cover up. Whereas, you know, like right now, it's, it's not exactly appropriate or it's not exactly always a problem, I should say. When someone feels their phone buzz or something like that and they look at it, you know, your phone faces your face. You hold it kind of up a little bit. So it's less likely that like the way we're sitting right now, Dan, across from each other, that you would see who was text messaging, calling or what appointment I had coming up, you know, what mm-hmm. alert I'm receiving. But when it's on your wrist, to me, that's like a it's a easier to tell what's... It's like when someone leaves it on the table and you notice, oh, you just got a text message from
1: Pooja, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, I would hold myself to the same standard I do with a cell phone again. And yeah. that's that. Frankly, when you're in conversation with someone, you don't want to be intermittently checking your phone. And we all do it. Yeah, it's, we, it's, we're...
0: It's Pavlovian at this point. It's My phone common goes behavior, check but it. it's
1: common behavior yeah. a lot of people perceive as rude. Yeah. And you definitely want to keep your attention on the people you're with. And just because you can kind of sneakily do it a little better with your phone than you can with the wearable tech.
0: I'm not even talking about sneaking, though. I just mean like, you know, like you and I are talking just at work and your phone goes off and so you look at it, it's a bit more private, whereas if it's on your wrist, it's just a harder thing to, to, it's harder to keep it private. I'm just, I'm picturing in the studio, (laughs) I'm holding my wrist out as if I was going to look at a watch and I'm like, you know, would... Would Dan be able to more see what active. was on? It? it feels more exposed
1: to me. It does. Well, it feels like well, I'll tell you. And this comes back to the first thing we were saying. It feels like a gesture because for so long that checking the wristwatch. If you think about it, you see it in fashion ads and you yeah. see it in the movies. I mean, it's it's a pose, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a pose. It's a gesture. And gestures have meaning and significance. They're they they're a language all to their own. I and mean, we can all think of gestures that communicate things very clearly. Sure. Um, I'll tell you, just while I'm thinking about it, something else I mentioned for the early adopter is mm-hmm. be prepared to be an object of curiosity.
0: Oh, yeah. Be
1: prepared for people to want to touch this device. And, I mean, some people are going to want to talk to you about it and know about it. But curious. there's a certain number of very curious people who are going to want to touch Ooh, it. They're going to want to physically interact.
0: Wait, but can we give them something to say, back off my watch? <laughs> like, how do you let them know? Like,
1: I, 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 I love my new watch. This Can I see it? I'm sorry. You're I'm not.
0: watching New Etiquette. How you're listening to New Etiquette happen right here and now? Yeah. How are we going to do that if some if you are looking at that watch and someone's like, "Oh, cool, you got one," and they go in towards it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, Can't you just say, "Give me a second, I'll take it off and let you have a look at it. Okay, Chris is chiming in with some, or a sound engineer is chiming in with some good advice, saying, "Hey, give me a second, I'll take it off. You can, you can look if at it." If you're comfortable,
1: you can take it off and hand it to someone. You might have a st- standard reply. You, you know, <laughs> everyone's curious. I'm just not taking it off anymore oh it's so (laughs) terrible what do you say it's not
0: terrible it's just awkward (laughs) because you know why it's awkward for us to say it is because nobody's used to saying it it's just the same way as like when people first their pocket was first ringing so excuse me i have to take a call how awkward was that your pocket never rang before this was a new thing so it's going to take us a while to get comfortable and find the language around you know what that's my call i have to go or you know what i'm I, I don't want to show you what's on my watch. We'll find language for it as it becomes a ubiquitous thing, if it becomes a ubiquitous I've thing. I've got it. You've got – Dan's <laughs>
1: figured it out. Eureka. Head them off at the past. Have a cool feature or two to show somebody. Okay. Oh, that's the new watch? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Let me show you. I love the Mickey Mouse face. And then Look, you can hold it's it. It's got show. an alarm.
0: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: You can wind it. And it tells the time. It tells the
0: time. You know what? It's no different from your phone. It's just a quarter the size. We're <laughs> just
1: teasing. The reporter that I was talking to mentioned something else that he what really he liked say? about it. Yeah. That um, He's limited the access to the watch to a list of VIP contacts. He has a sub list. Oh, cool. Because it does come directly to the wrist, because it's not as easy to, to keep it in his pocket. He doesn't take it off. He wants that to be a very select and smaller group of people. And his wife says the watch has saved the marriage.
0: No way. Because
1: he's now got this tiered system. He doesn't answer his phone all the time because if the phone rings, he knows it's not the VIP contacts that are getting to the It's watch. not
0: the emergency contacts. So the phones of.
1: become more like the laptop where he manages email, but he manages communication there that's one tier back. The, the immediacy of that wearable tech physically on on his person it
0: physically separates the the very important from the maybe important you got
1: it and oh I,
0: I like that
1: i thought that was fascinating and was a, a potential future social implication of the wearable tech that the, the the people and the contacts that you allow closer to you physically are the ones that are more important to you i thought that was a fascinating that is interesting em- emerging um quality to this new communication technology. Anyway,
0: I'm sure there'll be lots more to come as we get more used to the the gadgets that come into our lives.
1: Yeah, big big picture advice, early adopters, be ready. Be ready for the curiosity seekers and be a good ambassador. Really be thinking about your device and the people around you and hold yourself to high standards. And for a broad thought, treat it very similarly to how you would a cell phone. Keep your attention on the people you're with. Establish relationship expectations that you can meet over the long term and enjoy. I'm so jealous. Social courtesy does pay, doesn't it? Thanks.
0: We like to end every episode of Awesome Etiquette with an etiquette salute. And today's salute comes from Emily Kruitzer. Dear Lizzie and Dan, first let me thank you for your charming and informative podcast. My husband and I recently returned from a vacation in St. Lucia. We listened to your podcast on the airplane ride home. We would like to nominate the staff of the Villa Beach Cottages in St. Lucia for the etiquette salute because of their commitment to kindness. We were married in St. Lucia two years ago at the Villa Beach Cottages. We were overjoyed to return to the island and the villas to celebrate our wedding anniversary. Each staff member goes above and beyond their job requirements to ensure that each guest is comfortable and welcomed. The following are a few small examples of why we are nominating the staff. A housekeeper met us on our way to the airport to give us a gift for our two-year-old niece that attended the wedding. After a long day of travel, we were greeted upon our arrival with a warm meal and a cold beer. We appreciate your consideration for the Etiquette Salute. Again, many thanks for your good work. Sincerely, Emily Kruitzer.
1: Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness.
0: That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your etiquette questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it. And of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I am at Lizzie A. Post.
1: And I'm at Daniel post.
0: Or you can visit our website, EmilyPost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner.